Our scripture this morning came from the book of Genesis, the third chapter, and the eighth through the fourteenth verses. It said, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he, being God, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave to me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this? that you have done. The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God then said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. It continues to fascinate me that no matter how familiar I am with a passage of scripture, I keep getting more and more revelations as I spend time reading and rereading those same passages. This passage that I have just read is so familiar that many of us probably believe that we understand all that is going on in the text and that there could not possibly be anything more that we can learn from it. From you're in Sunday school till now, everybody knows this scripture. You know everything you think you need to know about this scripture. Well, my hope is that after today's message, you will not only see new revealed truth, but that you will be inspired to read and reread passages of scripture irrespective of how familiar they are to you. As a point of emphasis, I want you to notice something in our text. There are numerous references to eating. It is actually made five times in this passage alone. Let me show you. In verse 11, it says, Have you eaten? Again in verse 11, it says, Commanded you not to eat. In verse 12, Adam said, and I ate. Verse 13, Eve says, and I ate. But also in the last passage that I read, in the verse 14, the Bible says, he says to the serpent, and dust you will eat. Five times in this text alone, we see this reference to eating, 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 eating. So it therefore seems to me that eating is a major part of what is going on in this text. So today I want to look closely at this observation, and I've therefore titled this message literally, simply, Food for Thought. Eating, also known as consuming, is quite simply the ingestion of food. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just simply laying a foundation here. Eating as we know it is quite simply the ingestion or the intake of food. This is typically done to provide organisms like us with energy which would allow us to grow. 
really just that simple. Animals must eat in order to survive. Now, animals are broken down into different categories, but for the most part, carnivores, they eat other animals. Herbivores, they eat plants. And we've got omnivores, like us, we eat both plants and animals. So this idea is that we have to eat in order to survive. Yeah. Food is necessary for our survival. Uh -huh. And depending on your physiology, what you actually eat matters. To put it simply, if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will survive. If you eat what you are not supposed to eat, you will die. It's really that simple. This phenomenon of eating, I happen to find rather curious. And as such, I'd like to take you back to the first time we're introduced to this concept of eating. It's found in Genesis, the second chapter, and the 15th through the 17th verses. You can write it down, but I'm going to read it for you. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree in the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. So clearly, God is telling the man that he created exactly what I just told you. And that is, if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will live. You will survive. But if you eat what you are not supposed to eat, you will die. From the very beginning of man's existence, the issue of what he eats is critically tied to his ability to survive. So the two questions I have, Jesse, is simply, what's the big deal with food anyway? And why is this so important to God? Before I can attempt to answer these questions, we need to first understand something about humanity that was created by God. Number one. Human beings, by being created in God's image, we are freely addressed by God and are free to respond to God. This is the essence of communion. God can talk to us and we can respond to God. That is what happens as created human beings. We have that privilege of communing with God. Secondly, human existence, you and me in this room, is an embodied existence. What do I mean? We don't simply have bodies. We have a spirit. We have a soul and we have a body. And together, that is what makes us who we are as a created human species. And this is very important to understand because we express ourselves and we communicate with each others through our bodies. I can let you know that I love you by just hugging you. So we, we communicate with each other through our bodies. So human flourishing cannot be separated or, or, or be separated from the satisfaction of our bodily needs. Are you still tracking with me? Finally, as human beings created in the image of God, we are to understand that our physical bodies, however you may feel about them, are not obstacles to you being able to have fellowship with God. In fact, our bodies are important conduits, right, for communion, because as God taught us in the book of John, he says, and the word became flesh. 
meaning Jesus Christ became flesh. Would be something about the body and the flesh is important to God in allowing us to be able to communicate with him. And oh, by the way, the Christian hope is in what? The bodily resurrection of the dead. So something about this body allows us to commune with God and also to commune with each other. We are called to participate in some way to reflect God's life in relationship and common union with him which is why we call it communion. And to have communion is to feed. That's it. To have communion is to feed. Now, that's a whole lot of words. This is why food is important to God and should be important to you. So in essence, to be in communion, communion with God, it means you have to understand that if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will survive. And if you eat what you're not supposed to eat, you will die. There is no survival without communion. Make it plain. Now the next questions I have, Eve, is what kind of food are we to eat? Is it purely physical or is the food spiritual? See? And I call this now the garden delight. When God told Adam that he could eat the fruit of any tree in the garden, he had all the food he could possibly want and then some. By having access to all the various kinds of fruit available to him, Adam had to his liking a garden variety and everything he needed in order to survive. Think of Adam in the garden. God gave him all these wonderful fruit trees and said, bro, go eat anything you want. Adam was going all over the garden eating whatever he wants, anytime he wants. Adam had the garden variety. Now, Having access to this garden variety of fruit need to be understood both physically and spiritually. Here's what I mean. Physically, Adam was eating apples and pears and bananas and grapes and plums. All these things that Adam was eating tuned his body to the point where his metabolism was, would function in such a perfect way that he had the energy he needed to care for God's earth. Remember, God said to him, do what? Till the, take care of the garden. So Adam is eating all of these fruits which would give him the energy to be able to take care of God's good creation. So Adam was now in harmony with his environment simply by eating right. Adam could function in his environment. He was having communion with his environment. I don't know about you, but when I eat right, I function right. Amen. So physically, by eating the fruits of the trees of the, gar the garden that God instructed, Adam was able to work, and Adam was energized to work. Got it? Spiritually is another story. Adam by being perfectly tuned in his body, was able also to connect to God through his spirit. It is through Adam's spirit that he was able to discern God walking in the cool of the day. Through this cool of the day experience, Adam's soul was able to feed on a different type of fruit that we call the fruits of the spirit. We know this Adam's spirit was able to feed on, and Paul tells us, love, God's love, God's joy, God's peace, 
God's patience, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit as we find in the book of Galatians. So Adam could, his spirit could feed on God's in such a way that it would cause him to have communion with God and to be in harmony. So thus, Adam's body was physically fed with the fruit of the garden, but, it was all, but his soul was being spiritually fed with the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? Yes, sir. That's what's going on with Adam. So Adam is moving in the garden, eating his apples and pears and bananas and doing that. But at the same time, his body is so in tune that his spirit is feeding on love, joy, peace, goodness. Adam was so in sync in communion with his environment and in communion with God that no matter what God did, Adam could sense God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I don't know about you, but there are times where I am so in sync in my spirit that when the spirit of God says something to me, I got it. That's because I'm in the cool of the day. And, and, and that's what Adam's life was like in the cool of the day. Now, now, this was a simple instruction for Adam. But he and his wife couldn't get away from the desires of both of their eyes and what God had forbidden them from doing, they actually did. They ate what they weren't supposed to eat. And true to God's word, they would now surely die. Remember I told you, if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will survive. But if you eat what you're not supposed to eat, you will die. By eating what they were not supposed to eat, I'm making it plain, this literally means that Adam and Eve had now been poisoned. Recall that I previously shared with you that your bodies, when your bodies are functioning as they should at a high metab metabolic rate, you're able to do the work that you're able to do and your spirit is in communion with God. In other words, what you do to your body affects your spirits. Now, a poison is a substance that is actually capable of causing illness and death. And only when it's absorbed in the body. Hmm. So it stands to reason that if we could read the commandment given to Adam in Genesis, it probably could read this way. Listen carefully. Verse 16. I'm going I'm to transliterate it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any of the tree in the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for it is poison to you. God could have said that. As a matter of fact, when the serpent was beguiling Eve, this is what that serpent said. He said, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, for it is poison. I'm using my words. The serpent said to the woman, it ain't poison. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. 
Now, I'm quite sure that reading the text this way and calling the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil by calling it poison puts a different spin on the commandment from God. Do you think that if God had said it this way and if they heard it from the serpent this way that they might have been able to resist the temptation? I, I, I don't know. But what I do know is this. Whether or not God said it this way or another way, it did not change the fact that God had given instructions and they were to be obeyed. Amen. Disobedience to God will always have negative consequences. Hear me, church. Always have negative consequences. And you may not want to hear this, but I came to tell you today that if in your disobedience to anything that God has told you to do, you are still eating from that forbidden tree. In fact, your forbidden tree may be an illicit and adulterous affair, an addiction, or even a compulsion. Ain't pointing no names. Greed or envy, lust or lasciviousness, riotous living or violence. Whatever your forbidden tree may be, if God has told you to stop eating the fruits of those trees, then my message to you is the same one that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. You shall surely die. Amen. But now let's revisit our focus scripture and see what we can learn. I'm going to hurry along. So after they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree, this is what the text tells us, right? They, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Scholars have many theories about what the forbidden tree represents. But for the purpose of this message, I want you to consider with me that gaining of the knowledge of good and evil that was given by the forbidden tree actually now allowed human beings to be able to differentiate themselves from the rest of nature. Remember what I told you before, Adam was eating in the garden. He was in communion with all of God's creations and God's creatures. Now that he has this knowledge of the good and evil, he now starts to see himself separate and apart from God's good creation. Something now changed. Are, are, you, are you with me? He, he, he now no longer, and oh by the way, it is so bad that as Adam's eyes became open, he looked and he saw himself and he looked at the woman and it said that they were naked and now ashamed. Adam now for the first time has now seen himself separate and apart from God's good creation. As soon as they disobeyed God. As soon as they, you, this new self-image was something that now interferes with your ability to take care of what God has asked you to take care of. This is the tragedy in the text. This is how bad it is. God has said, listen, you need to know what I want you to know the way I want you to know it. And when you move ahead of God, you've put yourself in a place where you now have introduced into your own life shame. In the garden, when confronted by their fear of nakedness and their vulnerability, they were, 
they, they, they started now to pass blame on someone else other than themselves. Adam blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. What is it about human beings that whenever now we feel vulnerable and ashamed or we feel like we are being threatened, the first thing we want to do is to pass blame. We don't have to look too far than Judge Kavanaugh hearings. When he felt attacked, Judge Kavanaugh said, and I quote, this whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election, fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. In other words, y'all are attacking me because y'all are mad that I'm so good. I went to Yale. So what if I assaulted someone? I can do what I want because I'm entitled. I'm telling you, don't blame Kavanaugh. Blame the spirit. What about oppressing foreigners? Don't look too far than the separation and subsequent incarceration of innocent children that came to these United States who were brought here by their parents seeking freedom from oppression and a better way of life. I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, and I don't care who hears me, I guarantee you that there is not one Swedish person in any of those internment camps. And to be clear, there are more illegal immigrants here from Europe and Canada than there are from Latin American countries. The border wall won't work on them because they flew in. So we've come a long way since the Garden of Eden. And no longer is the creation simply a garden in which the Creator can move freely in the evening breeze in the cool of the day. We have, been, we have become so corrupt through ingesting the poison of disobedience that man and his wife no longer welcomed the companionship of God, but have hid themselves among the trees of violence and evil and covering themselves with the fig leaves of guilt and shame. Adam no longer spoke to his wife as bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, but instead he blames her presence on God, the woman you gave me. Young people blame their parents for not having created for them a better home environment for them to grow up in. Parents blame society for the decline of family values. Teachers blame students. Students blame teachers. The community blames elected officials. Elected officials blame the community. And on and on and on. But with all this, as I said before and I say again, if you eat what you're not supposed to eat, you will die. But if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will survive. There is no survival without communion. But we need God to clean up all this mess now. So I'll get ready to, I'll get ready to close. We need God to clean up all this mess. 
So, so the text reminds us that the man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. By questioning the man and the woman about what they had done, God was giving them each an opportunity to demonstrate responsibility and accountability. But they instead chose to play the blame game. Likewise, God's, God holds each and every one of us in this room accountable for our own failures. Amen. Irrespective of how far you may think you have fallen from God's love and His grace, God will always give you an opportunity to find Him and to get back to the cool of the day. But before I close, I want to give you some food for thought. Notice that God questioned the man and the woman about their transgression, about what they had eaten, but to the serpent, he did something different. He immediately passed judgment. Look again. He didn't say, what is this you have done, serpent? No, he says, because you have done this. That's judgment. Cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. But the thing that I find remarkable in this text is not only did he pronounce a curse that was more than all the cattle of all the field. Not only did he pronounce a curse that said you are going to be worse than any beast of the field and, and, and on your belly you would crawl. He also changed his diet. God changed his diet. God says, and dust, you will eat. But, but, but if you go back to Genesis 2 and 4, here's what God said. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So since man was formed from the dust of the earth, and that serpent would eat dust all the days of his life from a spiritual perspective, the serpent cannot survive unless it feeds on you. Brothers and sisters, if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you will survive. But if you eat what you're not supposed to eat, you will die. So my food for thought as I close comes in the form of two questions. What are you eating? But also, what's eating you? What we eat matters to God. And because God loves us more than we could ever know, he decided to give us an anecdote for the poison. God decided also to change our diet. Before Jesus' crucifixion, he met with his disciples in an upper room. Jesus chose as his last act of community with his disciples to sit with them and to share a meal. Food matters to God. But not only did Jesus share a physical meal with bread with his disciples, he also shared a spiritual meal. This is what the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 30. And I said, I hope that you get some new learning here. He says, for I received, this is Paul talking, from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, physical bread. But then he says, this is my body, spiritually. 
and do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So whoever then eats this bread and drinks this cup, everyone, in, even in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Jesus changed our diet. Jesus' family are those who will do the will of God. In other words, only those who obey Jesus' commandments to eat from him the true vine, the only fruit that matters, then you share in communion with him. Jesus challenges the expected structures of relationship and everything that's going wrong in every one of our lives, and he has created a method that we can all center ourselves back on God. And if you eat what you are supposed to eat, you will survive. But if you eat what you're not supposed to eat, then you will die. Now, if you believe this to be true, brothers and sisters, then today I welcome you as we all take communion to get back to that place where we're able to walk in the garden in the cool of the day. This is my message to you, that this communion table, as often as we do it, is able to restore your body and to restore your spirit, that you can be the best you for the work that God has for you. And as often as we do this, we do this in remembrance of him.